In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, if you were God, what kind of God would you be? If you could sit in his throne and have all of his power and all of his glory, what would you do with it? And if you were God, who would you invite with you to be in heaven? Who would you have sitting with you at your table, feasting with you, enjoying all of the joys of eternal bliss? Who would you want there with you? If Christ were your only begotten son, who would you send him to die for? If you were Jesus and you were, open, and you were to open up your veins and pour out your soul from within you, how many people would that actually be for? Who exactly would be on that list of how many you would die for? My guess is that it wouldn't be that many. My guess is that you'd have very few people on that list, if any at all. And the reason is because you really don't like that many people at all, let alone love them to such a degree. And from the ones you do love, how many would you actually die for? The answer again is not many, if any. If you're anything like me, which you are because we have the same sinful nature and heart that we were conceived with, you probably do exactly what I, my flesh would want to do. You'd show partiality and you'd show favoritism. You'd be very exclusive with your salvation. You'd limit your love and your grace and your forgiveness. You'd measure it out and you'd make sure not one cell of your blood were wasted on someone who is thankless. You'd only love those who love you. You'd die for those who would return the favor, who would die for you. You'd make them prove their loyalty to you first. You'd make sure that everyone who was on that list were, uh, of people that you would die for deserved to be on that list some way, uh, shape, or form. I'm pretty certain that on that list, you wouldn't have any murderers or prostitutes. You wouldn't have any addicts or vile offenders. You wouldn't have the homeless or the people in jail. You'd make sure that all the people who are beneath you, who are better than, who you are better than, would stay off of that list. Even more, the people who have lied to you, who have mocked you, who were rude to you, who looked at you wrong, looked at you funny one time, who broke their promises to you when they promised that they would never hurt you, who have never wronged you, or who have wronged you in even the slightest way, all of these would stay off of that list. Those who sinned to your face and those who stabbed you in the back, those who betrayed your trust, those who complain about you, those who don't think that you're perfect, who don't love every single thing about you, those who have disagreed with you at any time, all of these I'm fairly certain would not be found on your list of people to die for. And I know this because if you're not even willing to talk to these people here in time, if you're not even willing to befriend them or take care of them or love them in this life, then you certainly will never suffer and die for them. If you and I were God, this is exactly the God we would have. 
And this is exactly the God our sinful hearts expect God to be. In today's lesson, the text says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to to hear Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. In other words, the Pharisees and the scribes were upset because the people Jesus had on his list to be with was not, uh, they, they were not the people that they would have on their list. They think that the fact that Jesus eats with sinners proves that he is not God because that's something that if they, the righteous, wouldn't do, then of course God himself would never do it. And yet what does Jesus do with these words against him? Even though they said these words with the worst intention, with a motive to slander and defame him, what does he do? When they say this man receives sinners and eats with them, he doesn't deny what they say. He teaches them parables to show them that he not only sits down and receives sinners and eats with them, he does more than that. He teaches them that he will search for sinners like lost sheep and carry them home, that he will turn over the entire house to find one lost sheep. While the Pharisees and the scribes said these things to condemn him, Christ affirms it and gives his amen to it for your salvation. And through these parables, Christ shows that he can do nothing else than faithfully receive all the lost and earnestly search for them until he finds them. This isn't the God that we expected. It's not the God that you and I would be. But this, thanks be to God, is the God who is, who we have. So when it comes to Jesus' list of people to save, he doesn't limit it to a few here and there. He doesn't have 99 righteous on there because not one is righteous. All have fallen short of the glory of God. The people on Christ's list are precisely the people that you and I would never want on that list. The murderers, the slanderers, the prostitutes, the extortioners, the thieves, the addicts, the prisoners, the idolaters, the faithless, all of them. In other words, who did Christ shed his blood for? Who does Christ suffer and die for? For the lost. That is this whole world. In fact, Romans 5 says it this way. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good one, one would would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the immense love and mercy of God He didn't die for good people or for the righteous. He died for sinners. So if Christ wants everyone to be saved, if Christ has spilled his blood and for all people, for this entire world, if he has all people on his list of people who he wants with him in heaven forever, then why is it that not everyone is saved? Well, it's not because Jesus isn't their savior. It's because they don't think they need him as their savior and therefore don't want him. It's not that Jesus didn't die for all of them. It's that some people don't want to believe that they sin and therefore they don't need or want his forgiveness. It's not that Jesus doesn't seek all who are lost. It's that some who are lost want to stay that way. The truth is most don't want to hear that they're lost, let alone admit it. Most don't even want to fathom that they need some help. 
And this happens even to some of you. Some of you don't believe that you're as sinful as God says you are. And some of you don't believe you need God's forgiveness as much as he tells you you need it. Some of you would rather defend your sin rather than acknowledge it. Some of you would rather hide it, pretend it doesn't exist, and make up any excuse to justify it. Some of you feel, uh, uh, feel fine in your body and therefore think that you're fine in your soul. And it's for this reason that Christ sends you his word of law, his word that tells you that you are a lost and condemned creature, that you are indeed a poor, miserable sinner, whether you feel like that or not. So Christ preaches this word to you who are lost so that you understand that you're truly lost, truly sinful, truly under the power of the devil while you remain in sin and unbelief. And once he shows you, once he shows you that you are indeed lost, that you have no way of saving yourself or finding your way back home, God does not leave you there. He picks you up with his gospel as if he were to say, look, take heart, you lost and straying little lambs. You're far off, but you're not completely lost yet. I'm here and I'm your shepherd. I'm here to pick you up and take you home to put you on my shoulders and be your help forever. I will bring you to the flock that you left. I will lead you to green pastures and protect you from all danger. I've moved everything just to find you again. And so it's for this reason that you should never Refuse to call yourself a sinner. Because Jesus has come only for sinners. If you believe that you're righteous, then go your way. The healthy don't need a doctor, and the righteous don't need Christ. But when you know your sin and you confess it, when you admit that you are completely and utterly lost in guilt and filth and sin, then know that Christ is there to bring you home. Christ is the friend of sinners, and he is your friend. He seeks all the lost. He deems no one too wicked for his love, no one too foolish for his grace. He he is ashamed of none of you. For those of you who have fallen into public and manifest sins, who have fallen into grievous sins that embarrass you, sins that bring you shame and a burdened conscience, uh, those of you whose sins make you feel your unworthiness, Christ shows himself especially gracious and friendly to you this day, who admit your sin, who confess it, And put every ounce of your hope in him. Take in this sweet and eternal comfort. There is not one of you whom Christ the good shepherd does not seek. He bears all of you on his heart. All of your names are scraped into the wounds on his back. From the very first moment of your life, Christ has been following you with his mercy. And your entire life, no matter where you've gone or what on earth you've done, he has been chasing you with grace and mercy and love and comfort that you cannot find or purchase or get anywhere else in this world. No matter where you've gone, he's gone with you and he's gone after you, all to bring you back to the arms of your dear Father in heaven. When he looked at you tangled in your sin and death and guilt, his eyes were filled with love. And today he looks at you with those same eyes, those of you who know their sin and know that they're lost. And he's come to tell you in this very moment that he's come to seek you this second, to tell you he is not counting 
not one of the multitude of your sins against you, that the greatness of your wickedness is gone forever, that the grievousness of your guilt lays lifeless at your feet. He's come to shower you with grace and mercy and wrap you in the perfect obedience he won for you on the cross. So no matter how far you've wandered away from him, not one of you has wandered so far from him that he'll refuse to hurry after him. No matter how deeply you've fallen, no matter how many times it's been and in how many ways, no one has fallen so deeply that God will refuse to stretch out his hand and raise you up. No matter how grievously you've sinned, no matter how long you've been in that, no matter how much you've offended the God of heaven and earth, no one has offended God to the point that he would refuse to receive him. No matter how sick your sins have been, no one is so vile a sinner that Christ would be ashamed to call you his dear child. In fact, in the face of such proud and haughty, hypocritical and self-righteous people, Christ declares that he is indeed a friend of sinners. That he befriends you through his sweat and his tears and his blood. He loves all sinners and he loves you. And even though his heart breaks over the misery of each sin and every, every sinner in this world, he seeks them all. None of those who come to him in repentance and faith are pushed away. He will receive you. So how do you know if Christ has found you? How do you know if you are on his shoulders in this moment? How do you know if he's picked you up from wandering away? Will you know that he has you in his arms when you begin to perceive the immensity of your sin? And when you hear and believe how he has wiped away that mountain of sins in a tidal wave of his blood in baptism? You know that he's carrying you home when you're frightened by your wandering, when you despair of yourself, and when you begin to have peace because he speaks his word of an unending and undying forgiveness into your ears. You know that he has swept the house and turned all upside down in order to have you. When you begin to know that you were indeed lost. But know that he has found you this day with his flesh and his blood. And shown you the way to heaven through the wounds in his hands and feet. In other words, if you're wondering if Christ has found you, then wonder no more. For those who hear these words and believe them, you're his. He has sought you from your childhood on. He has sought you when you were baptized. He sought you when his gospel was preached to you. He sought you in each and every event of your life. And he sought you even today and he led you to get out of bed, to get into your car, to come to church and to hear these words that he will never leave you or forsake you. So dear saints, Jesus receives sinners. So never deny that you're a sinner. You should come in every single Sunday ready to confess that you're indeed a poor, miserable sinner, knowing that Jesus is here every single Sunday for poor, miserable sinners. He is here every day, every time his word is preached, every time the Lord's Supper is prepared. He is here to take those sins away and, and separate them from you as far as the east is from the west. He comes to seek you. And although you have been unfaithful, although you have and you can become unfaithful again, when you do, remember that Christ remains faithful to you. No matter how many times you have forgotten Him, 
He will never forget you. You've broken the covenant of your holy baptism. But Jesus hasn't. He can never break it. No matter how rebellious and unfaithful you have been, in these words, he found you again. He will be your shepherd and you will be his sheep. And now that Christ has you in his arms in this moment, don't let his work be in vain. Don't run back to the impenitence in which he found you. Don't flee back to the wicked sin and aberrations that he saved you from. Don't take his salvation lightly and make a shipwreck of your faith. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit and jump out of the arms of Christ. Rather, stay in his word and keep hearing his forgiveness every single day. When you do fall back into the sin of your own weakness, repent quickly and repent even now. And remember that Christ's forgiveness and all he has done to save you is for you. Know that your name is written in the book of life and that the long list of sins attached to your name is nothing but dust and ashes. Repent and the angels will rejoice as you're blessed both here and in eternity. God receives sinners. He seeks them. He finds them. He eats with them. He forgives them. And he keeps them forever. This isn't the God you have to hope for or imagine. This is the God you have in Christ Jesus, your Lord. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.